Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org. We hope you enjoy the message. Well, good morning to you. Thanksgiving and Christmas holidays are upon us. I guess we had a little bit of a clue when we took our kids back to school shopping back in August and they were already putting trees out, right? That kind of got us ready to know that all of this was coming. But if you're like me, this is, it, it's kind of gotten here quick. If you're also like me, you know, the, the holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, this time of year, you know, it can be a time where it, it, it really is one of my favorite time of the year on most days. If you were to say, hey, John, what do you think of Thanksgiving and Christmas? I'll tell you, it's my, my favorite time of year. On some days, I'll tell you, it's a very, very, very hard time of year, isn't it? You know, for me, growing up, Thanksgiving was always about going to my grandparents' house up in Forsyth County. They have about 30 acres on a farm up there. And so from the time that I can remember up until just a little bit ago, we would go there and the same folks would come bringing the same green bean casseroles and potato salad and that kind of stuff. We ate the same exact food every time. We would, we would eat, we would go out and play football, we would go out into the back side of the property and, and shoot twenty two rifles, hitting acorns off the top of stumps, and that was Thanksgiving for me for years and years and years and years. Those traditions have, have gone on. People have moved on, people have passed away, um, and, and we've, as a family, we've created new traditions, but I miss some of those times with family. Now, I remember when my grandmother was dying of cancer a few years ago. She had had a reoccurrence of breast cancer, and um, she had gotten put in home hospice. And so, um, if, if my memory serves me right, she was in home hospice from about May till I think, around November. And so, since, since she didn't live too far away, we would go up there as often as we could, and I would sit, and I, we would talk um, in the little room that she was in, and she told me all about her life. She told me about what life was like for her as a little girl growing up, um, pre-depression kind of stuff. She told me about how she and my grandfather met. She told me about their first house and how they would have to stuff newspapers in the cracks of the floorboard to keep all the wind from coming in and the cold and how their bathroom was outside. I and mean, that's just the, where, they, where they were in, in Georgia at that time. She spent a lot of time talking to me about how much she missed my grandfather because he had died just a few years earlier. And she talked about how the past three years for her were really hard. Because she missed him tremendously. But in all of those conversations that we had, she never, ever, ever forgot to talk about Jesus and how thankful she was. In those hard times that she would talk about, in the good times that she would talk about, she always brought the conversation back around to Jesus. And she, I remember specifically when she was talking about how lonely she was sometimes, that she could cry out to Jesus and immediately she would feel better. Didn't take all the pain away, didn't take all the loneliness away, but she knew that God was there, his presence was there, and she was thankful. I don't think she realized what she was doing for me as we were having those conversations. As a matter of fact, when it was going on, I didn't realize that this was going on. But my grandmother was redefining for me Thanksgiving and Christmas because I think she, she may have known traditions would change. I didn't see that coming. Probably should have, but I just didn't see that coming. And, and she redefined for me that this time of year, while, while things are going to change, it's really about Jesus. And it's about being thankful for who He is and what He's done. And so as our culture prepares to celebrate Thanksgiving and move into the Christmas season, we're taking a Sunday here at Dogwood to talk about thankfulness, to talk about gratitude, and living a lifestyle of thankfulness so that we can honor God in all that we do. 
So this morning we're going to look at a passage of scripture that will help us to see the importance of being thankful. Then I want to give you some reasons that I as a Christ follower am thankful and and reasons that I believe that you as a Christ follower, if you are one, reasons that you should also be thankful. And then we'll close with exploring five actions that you can take to show that you really are thankful. But let me first do this. Let me define thankfulness for you. From a Christian perspective, thankfulness is this. It is an expression of gratitude for who God is and for what he's done. From a Christian perspective, thankfulness is an expression of gratitude for who God is and what he's done. Before we jump into the passage of scripture, let me pray for us, okay? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for today, for this opportunity that you have given us to gather to worship you. Help us as we hear your word and study your word. Help, it, help us to apply it to our lives. God, as we have studied over the past few weeks in 40 days in the word, we know that it is important to study your word, that it's important to love your word because it helps us to love you. So God, help us to do just that. Help us to love you more today because of what we're talking about. And God, we ask that you would help us to learn this life of thanksgiving Because, God, we do want to bring you honor and glory. And we are thankful for your love and mercy in our lives. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If you've got a Bible with you, I want to ask that you would turn to Luke chapter 17, uh, verses 11 through 19. Now this is a a story, one of Jesus' miracles that he performed. And there's, there's a dual tension in this. Uh, that we'll explore a little bit together. But if you've got a Bible again, Luke chapter 17, verse 11 is where we're going to start. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, two, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Well, the first tension that's in this is that these folks had leprosy. Now, most of us don't, we haven't seen it. Maybe we've seen pictures of leprosy. But let me describe for you leprosy. It was a nightmarish disease, is a nightmarish disease. People with leprosy would end up with missing fingers and toes and noses and ears. And many of them would go blind because what happens with leprosy is that they would lose all sense of pain, sense of feeling, and their eyes wouldn't realize that they were dry and so they wouldn't blink and they would go blind. It, it, it kind of worked like this. So back then, obviously, they worked with, with tools. And so if you can imagine if, if a carpenter, let's say, came down with leprosy. And so they, they're working with a wooden tool, and they get a splinter in their hand. Well, they don't know that the splinter is there because they've lost feeling. And so over a period of time, that, that splinter gets infected and gets nasty, and then their hand falls off. And you can imagine, that was tragic. People were scared of it. And so because People were scared of that, and they didn't want it to happen to them. They kind of pushed all the lepers aside and said, you guys have got to stay away from everybody else. You're not allowed to be around us because, number one, it's awful to look at. Number two, we don't want it. All right? So, they were lepers. 
But the guy who comes back to say thanks to God, he was also a Samaritan. Now, Samaritans were hated by the Jewish people. We lose a little bit of that, but they were absolutely hated by the Jewish people. They were hated for at least two reasons. One, they didn't follow the same religious customs, and the Jewish people also would look at Samaritans as basically half-breeds. And so Jewish people wanted to have nothing to do with them. And so the idea that a Samaritan leper received God's help was undoubtedly shocking to Jesus' followers then. The Jewish people had written those kinds of folks off, the lepers and Samaritans off, and Jesus yet reaches out to them. So the story is the lepers approach Jesus, they keep their distance like they're supposed to do, and they call out to Jesus saying, Jesus, have pity on us. Now Jesus immediately removes any doubt about his desire to show compassion to the outcasts. Just as he does today. He tells them to go to the priests as the law commands. Now the priests, they were the ones that were trained. They were the ones that would look at people who had had leprosy and said, Oh, guess what? Now you're healed and it's safe for you to come back into society. And so Jesus had told them, go to the priests. That's what they had to do from a religious custom and all of that in the laws back then. And they would be able to be restored into the society that was going on there. Now upon hearing this, they turn and begin to go to the priest. Now here's where my imagination takes over just a little bit in this story. A couple of weeks ago, um, I got to go on a field trip with my oldest son Caleb to Camp Wasiga. Anybody ever been to Camp Wasiga? All right, more of you in this crowd than the earlier crowd. So you've been there before. You remember then, if you've been there, if you haven't been there, let me tell you a little bit about it. Beautiful camp up in the mountains. Um, There's a mess hall. And to get to the entrance of the mess hall, you have to cross a little creek that has like a little one-lane bridge on the top of it, or going across it. And you've got to get, go across it one at a time so that you're not pushing each other off the side of this bridge. Well, there's a bell that would ring any time that the, the meal was about to start. And so when the bell would ring, 150 sixth grade kids who were starving because they had not been given snacks dropped whatever it was that they were doing and they ran as fast as they could to be the first one to be able to go across that bridge. You get the picture? Kind of what's going on there? In my head, I think the 10 lepers are probably kind of like that. They probably looked like 150 sixth grade kids who were starving because Jesus had just told them, hey look, go show yourself to the, to the priest. You'll be healed. And so I can imagine that they're running, they're tearing off over whatever fields and whatever things that they had to get to to get to the priest. And the scripture says one of them looks down and realizes that he has been healed. And what does he do? He breaks away from the pack. Not running faster, he stops. And he turns around. He turns around and goes back to Jesus. And he throws himself at Jesus' feet. Now listen, that is a radical act of thanksgiving. That had to be embarrassing To run back and throw yourself at someone's feet. It wasn't just a, hey Jesus, thanks so much kind of a thing, I'm going on. It was an embarrassing kind of act and prayer of thanksgiving. Giving thanks for this man was a choice. I am sure in some way, shape, or form, every one of those people that was healed, all ten of them, in some way, shape, or form, felt gratitude. They felt thankful, right? Only one of them made the choice to go back and actually show it. And here is my fear for me. Here's my fear for my family. And quite frankly, here's my fear a little bit for for some of you. I'm afraid. let Let me do this. Let me just talk about me. I'm afraid I act like the other nine and not the one. 
I'm afraid I act like those nine. And I, I, I run along and I complain about my, that dinner is not exactly what I wanted it to be. Even though all we had to do was go to the grocery store, I didn't have to grow it. I didn't have to hunt it. I didn't have to be concerned of whether or not there was going to be a meal at, at night. Because we have the resources to, to buy those things. Unlike much of the rest of the world that goes without food on a daily basis. I complain sometimes about the traffic that I have to sit in, which is, granted, not much because I live in Fayette County and work in Fayette County. But I do have to sit in traffic every once in a while. And when I do, I complain about it. Instead of being grateful that I have a vehicle that I can get around, instead of like some of the people that I have met around the world that are reliant upon their own two feet to get to where they're going. And they walk miles and miles each day to do whatever it is that they're doing. I complain sometimes about the trivial things in my life and the small minor problems that I have. And then I'm reminded of friends of mine that are facing incredible, horrible illnesses. I sometimes struggle with staying consistent in, 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 in God's Word. Now listen, I know intellectually, I even know experientially that studying God's Word is good for me, right? It's good for us. We just studied that in the 40 days, right? My life is better, I have a better attitude when I do that, and I struggle with the 15 copies that I have either in my office or at home. I struggle sometimes to find time to read. When I have met people around the world that to just have one of these would get themselves killed. I sometimes think that I act more like the nine instead of the one. So what do we do with that? How do we, how do we become like the one? Well, let me give you five reasons that when I, when I do take the time to sit and think and pray and ponder, these are five reasons that I know I am thankful. And if I can remember these, I think I will live a life of gratitude. And I propose to you that if you would remember these things, that you also will live a life of gratitude and thankfulness to Jesus. So here's the first thing. I am thankful for God's grace that he has shown me. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, says this. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. This verse means that, that grace is God giving me what I need and not what I deserve. I deserve punishment because of my sin, because of my separation from God. But God provides salvation God provides salvation. And in case you need more help, write this reference down. I don't have time to read the whole passage for you. But Psalm 103. Let me highlight for you quickly what Psalm 103 says. It talks about, He forgives my sins. He heals me. He ransoms me from hell. He surrounds me with love. He fills my life with good things. He is merciful. He is tender. He is slow to get angry. And I am so thankful that He is. He never bears a grudge. And again, He's not punished me as I deserve for my sins. Without God's grace, I was hopeless. I had no meaning. I had no purpose. I was filled, honestly, with guilt and fear. I was headed for hell and not for heaven. There was nothing that I could do on my own, but a gift from God and His grace. God comes along, and He says, I am going to show you grace and give it to you as a gift, and I am thankful for that. Not only am I thankful for God's grace, but I am thankful for the plan that he has for me. If you've read The Purpose Driven Life, 
you've learned and you've studied some scripture that goes along with that to help you understand that your life is not an accident. You're not an oops. You matter. You were created to do something for God. You were created for a reason. Listen to Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Listen, his plans are so good that even when I make mistakes, even when I mess up, he brings good out of them. Now his plan does include blessings, good things, but his plan also includes pain and disappointment and discipline. And I can't explain to you all of the whys behind the pain and disappointment sometimes and the discipline. I can't give you the whys for all of that, but here's what I can do. I can trust that God is good and that he is in control. And I can tell you this, that our job as Christ followers is to follow him step by step. God probably is not going to give you the 40-year plan. He does for some people. He did in Scripture for some people. But for most of us, He gives you the step by step. And I can tell you that you can trust God that He will give you the step by step and your only responsibility is to follow Him step by step. And I am thankful for that. I'm also thankful for my future home in heaven. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1 says this. It says, now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, now here's what that's saying. It's saying when, if our bodies are destroyed, our earthly tent, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Listen, you and I, humans, we were made to live forever. You have a soul. Your soul is really who you are. And one day your physical, physical bodies are going to die. But that is not the end of you. You don't cease to exist when your physical body dies. You have a soul. And your soul is going to spend an eternity in one of two places. Either in heaven or in hell, depending on whether or not you are a follower of Jesus. Now, what is heaven going to be like? It is going to be incredible. It is going to be better than you can even imagine. It is going to be a time where we're reunited with God in a, in a relationship that is no longer marred by sin. We're going to be reunited with loved ones that have gone before us that were followers of Christ. We're going to be rewarded. We're going to be reassigned to do good and meaningful work that brings joy to your life. We're going to be released from pain and fear and depression and sorrow and conflict and stress. It is going to be awesome. Now, who is heaven made for? 1 Peter chapter 1 tells us that God has reserved for his children the priceless gift of eternal life. It's kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And God in his mighty power will make sure you get there safely to receive it. Because you're trusting him, so be glad and be thankful. Does everyone get to go to heaven? No. Heaven is only for God's children, followers of Christ. So, you might ask yourself, how do I become a follower of Christ? How do I get to be one of God's children? The good news for you is this, is that God is offering you that gift. He offers it for every person. And here's how you do that. I know oftentimes here we'll wait till the end of a message, end of a, end of a service, and we'll say, here's how you can know Christ. But let me tell you right now, here's how you can know Jesus Christ. You can tell him in your own words. You can pray right now with your eyes open. Lord Jesus, to the best that I understand it, I ask you to come into my life to be my leader. In other words, God, I'm giving you control of who I am. 
And God, be my forgiver. Forgive me for me choosing to go my way and not yours. Forgive me of my sin. Now listen, you can do that right now. And the Bible says that if you do that, even if you don't get the words just right, if that's kind of the attitude that's going on in you right now, the Bible says that you are a child of God. You are a new creation. And that is an incredible thing. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the home in heaven that that I will have one day. And I want you to be there. But I'm also thankful for the changes that he has made in me and that he is making in me. Listen, I'm not the person that I used to be, and that is a good thing. I'm not perfect. Matter of fact, I'm far from perfect. But over time, I can see that God is working in my life to help create me to be the person that he wants me to be. You see, at the the moment we become followers of Christ, for some of you it may have been just a few moments ago, at that moment, God begins to chip away at the things in our life that are, that are not pleasing to Him. And He begins to mold us and shape us into the people that He wants us to be. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 says that God is working in you, giving you the desire to obey Him and the power to do what pleases Him. And I am thankful that He is working in us and that He is the one that's doing the work. I'm thankful for that. But you know what? I'm also thankful for God's blessing in my life. I'm thankful that generally speaking, my family and I were were healthy. Generally speaking, my mind is okay. I'm thankful for God's blessing of people that he has put in my life that have mentored me on what it means to be a follower of Christ. And that they've helped me to grow in my walk with Christ. I'm incredibly thankful for those blessings that God has given me. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. I always thank God for you because of His grace given you in Christ Jesus. I'm thankful for those people that God has put in my life to model for me what it means to be a follower of Him. So how do we then, if those are things, those are, I think those are great reasons to be thankful Those are reasons that I am thankful. But how do we get to a spot then as followers of Christ where we act like this Samaritan leper who comes back and throws himself at Jesus' feet? Because you know what? You and I really can't do that today. Jesus doesn't physically walk the earth. And so we can't go back and, 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 and throw ourselves at his feet and do that kind of embarrassing thanksgiving. So how do we do that then? What does the modern day version of that look like? Well, I want to give you five actions that you can take that will show God that you are grateful. And the first is this, sing. Sing. And I know that some of you are saying this in your head right now because I have said this in my head. Me sing? Have you heard my voice? Some of you are saying that. And I'm going to say, no, I haven't heard your voice, but I've heard my voice. And mine is awful. I was the kid when I would go to like choir and stuff like that, they would put me as far away from the microphone as possible. Because it was awful. But listen, the Bible says in Psalm 147, verse 7, Sing out your thanks to Him. Sing praises to God. You can sing in your car. You can sing in the shower. You can sing as you're running on the cart paths. Nobody's going to care out there. You can sing here in the church. It's one of the reasons why we play it a little loud in here. So that when I'm up here, you can't hear me sitting right, if you're sitting right next to me. It makes me feel better knowing that. And I know it does for some of you as well. 
Listen, if you leave out singing, you say, you know what, I'm not coming in until after the singing's over. You're missing a huge opportunity to tell God thanks. Studies have shown that singing actually does raise your spirits. It makes you feel better. It is a good and helpful thing for you to do, but it shows God that you are thankful. But not only can you sing, you can serve. The Bible says that we are to serve the Lord with gladness. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 28 says, Since we have a kingdom that nothing can destroy, let us please God by serving Him with thankful hearts. Now listen, the ways that you can serve God are endless, almost. Everything from you volunteering to go serve in the preschool and change diapers so that a mom and dad can come over here for an hour and 15 minutes and worship God, everything from that to going and taking care of someone else around the world and anything else in between is a way that you can serve God. You have no excuse. You can't say you can't think of something to do. We can serve God, and that's one of the ways that we can say thanks to God. The third action that you can take is that you can give. Deuteronomy chapter 16 teaches us that that we are to give to God a free will offering out of what he's blessed us with. We give. Listen, whether you give or not will show your level of gratitude. Lindsay and I give here at Dogwood because a number of reasons. We believe that it's the right thing to do. We believe it's being obedient to God. We give because... God has blessed us with, with much, and so we want to give back out of gratitude for what he's doing. But we also give because we believe that when we give here to the ministry of this church, it helps the church accomplish its mission of loving God and loving people and making more and better followers of Christ. When you give, you help do all of those things. You're, you're expanding God's kingdom. It is an incredible thing. It's an act of thanksgiving, and it's an act of obedience, and you're helping God's kingdom. So give. But there's a fourth thing that we can do, and it's this. You can tell. Tell other people about Jesus. Isaiah chapter 12, verse 4 says, Thank the Lord, praise his name, tell the world of his wondrous love and how mighty he is. Listen, if you are a follower of Christ and you're not telling other people about Jesus, it's as if you were a scientist and you had a cure for HIV and you were holding it all to yourself and not giving it to anybody else in the world except for your buddies. That would be awful and you would be evil for doing that, yes? It is the same thing. Shame on us, followers of Christ, when we don't share Christ. I'm not telling that to make you feel guilty. I'm just telling you that we are to tell other people about Jesus because we're grateful because we've been transformed. We've been forgiven, yes? So tell other people. About Jesus Christ. And there's a fifth thing. And it's this. You can pray a prayer of thanksgiving to God. You simply tell him. And it's more than God just thanks. And you go on your merry way. So we want to give you the gift of time this morning. In the offering baskets that are located on the left hand side of each aisle. Don't pass the baskets. But in there if you're sitting there. If you'll grab that stack of thank you cards. That are there. In the thank you cards there's actually two cards. There's one inside of another. We want to give you about five minutes this morning. I want you to write two different thank you notes. One, the first one, the most important one for right now is this. It's the one on the index card looking thing. By the way, if you don't have one of these or if there's not enough in the basket, if you'll raise your hand, our ushers are around. They've got a few extras of these and they'll bring you some, okay? On this card, the, the, the index card, you're going to write a prayer of thanksgiving to God. If you need help with that one, 
turn to Psalm 103, the one that I highlighted for you earlier. In there, it will help you to know what to say if you don't know what to say. What we have found, what I have found, is that as I write my prayers, I'm actually able to be a little more focused and think a little more clearly about what it is that I'm actually thanking God for. And so we want to give you time this morning to do just that. If you finish that one, great. There's a second thank you card. It's this one. It's the one that has the flap. Here's what I want you to write a thank you note for. If you don't have time to do this one today, you'll do it later on. Write a thank you note. You remember how we talked about that God has blessed us with people in our lives to help us become the people that that we are now? I want you to write a note of thanks to someone, a mentor, someone that helped you in your life spiritually to grow and to become a follower of Christ or maybe to grow in your relationship with Christ. Does that make sense? So two thank you cards. You may or may not have time to get both of them done. But let's start with a thank you card to God. Andrew's going to play a few minutes. We're going to give you about, about four minutes or so. And so let's start writing these prayers of thanksgiving to God.
you may or may not have been able to finish writing your prayer of thanksgiving or writing your note of thank you to someone else. If not, then what I want to ask you to do, before the sun goes down today, finish those out. The, the, the prayer of thanksgiving to God, obviously that's between you and Him. The, the, the card, mail it tomorrow. Let, them, let somebody know that you're thankful. I want you to think with me for a moment. Imagine with me for a moment how life would be different for those that are around us in our community if just the people in this room began living a life of thanksgiving and gratitude as opposed to a life of selfishness and it's all about me. We're going to continue worshiping God now by, by celebrating the Lord's Supper. And this is a time, really, where, where we again can be thankful. Helps us to remember to be thankful for the price that Jesus paid on the cross in His death and resurrection for us. And so let me give you some instructions on what's going to happen. And I'm going to read a passage of Scripture. I'm going to pray. Our ushers are going to come forward after we pray. And they're going to begin passing out the elements. When you have the elements and you're ready, because Scripture teaches us that we're to examine our lives and allow God to examine our lives to make sure that we're in a right relationship with Him and with other people. And so after you pray and you say, God, am I okay with you? Is there any unconfessed sin? Am I okay with other people? Once He gives you the green light, then then on your own, you're ready to take the elements of the Lord's Supper, the bread and the cup, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says, The Lord Jesus, on the night He was betrayed, took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is My body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. In the same way, after supper, He took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the price that you paid so that we could be reconnected to you. Lord, we don't take it lightly all that you had to go through. And and we don't take it lightly that you took our sin and put it on you. God, we are incredibly Grateful, And as we celebrate this Lord's Supper, Lord, we're telling you we're thankful, but we're also worshiping you. Thank you, God. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information about Dogwood Church, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org.